Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teach it through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. All right, so joining me now here, I guess I could call these the hospital sessions of the tour coach here, um, one of the really good guys out there on the PGA Tour. Not everybody may know him. He's unbelievably, an unbelievably great teacher. He's the director of instruction at Squire Creek. I'm going to talk a little bit about that because that's an unbelievable place. And up until a year ago or so, he was the director of golf. But teaches Sam Burns, a bunch of good guys, Turk Pettit, guys coming up. Brad Pullen from over in Louisiana, another fellow Southerner. How you doing, Brad? Doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I see you out there all the time with Sam. And, I mean, I'll tell you what, first of all, I know that, one, how great Sam is. So you've obviously done a hell of a job on his golf game. But, man, he's one of the nicest young people you'll ever meet on the PGA Tour. And I always go by, like, the fact that I could be sitting somewhere in an airport and I'll hear somebody whistle at me from across and I'll look over and it's him and he's saying hi. He always takes time to say hi to people. That's a credit to you and to the other people around him because he's a, not only a hell of a player but a hell of a guy. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. He um, he is that, and um, he's always been like that. And we just feel blessed to be where we are. And and uh, nothing's changed about him in getting on the PGA Tour and and the way he's been since he was 15 years old. So I appreciate it. When did you start with Sam? When he was 15, I was working here at Squire Creek, and his dad called me. I was actually doing some assistant coaching for LaTeX here, the university okay. that's right here close to us, and was doing a lot of recruiting evaluations and, and that type of thing, practice setups and training for our college guys. And Todd, his dad, called me and said that he wanted Sam to work with a coach. And and up until that point, it had kind of been just his brother helping him, really. And so I stopped doing my assistant coaching role there at the university because of NCAA and how they wouldn't let us work with certain kids and this and that. And so Sam was obviously that's another podcast. Verge. That's another podcast. yeah. We, that's another. We don't we don't have time for all, we don't have time for all that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, but yeah, we started working together then and and have been ever since. So when you first saw Sam when he walked in when you were fifteen. I mean, I remember the first time I, I watched Bobby Wyatt and Robbie Shelton hit balls when they were young kids, and I thought, this kid's different, right? Um, yeah. What was your thought? What did you think? It was definitely this kid's different. And just the way he moved and the way he struck the golf ball, my first thought was, you know, don't screw it up. And then he was just so good from, you know, about waist high to waist high. And what was going on down there at the bottom, you could tell, was really special. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it was great. Yeah. So what kind of stuff, and I don't want to spend this whole thing talking about Sam, but I mean, it's obviously a big part of why people know you, but yeah. So, sure. so when you started working with Sam, obviously he was great waist high to waist high. What kind of things did you say? Like, I always, I remember 
you know, with like Andy Ogletree when I started, I was like, man, I same thought though. Like, I don't want to, this kid special. He's different. I know there's something special about him. I don't want to change the way I, I really tried to be good about thinking big picture. Like, okay, let's mm-hmm. not, let's only do the important things, right? Let's, yeah, you know, and I'm kind of just a steward to help him stay in the middle of the road along the way. What kind of was your big picture thought when you, cause obviously it was great waist high to waist high. What were some of the thoughts like, okay, these are some of the things that I, over time I might, you know, I might kind of try to work on and do and, and so forth. Yeah, I thought he had, when he came in the first time, I remember, and I have some of those old videos, but he was a little bit slotty coming down in the downswing. He would get a little bit of early tilt. So, you know, you you look at some of those things, and those are some of the things we talked about when he first started. And, you know, some of that was, you know, probably trying to generate speed and how he was trying to do that. So you don't want to take some of those things away. And so it's kind of a give and take. You know, I thought in the backswing, we've got some early videos of him really holding a lot of trail knee flex up to the mm-hmm. top of the swing. That's something that we've kind of worked on and letting that trail knee extend a little bit more with a little bit more turn going back. Yeah. And so those are all kind of things that we've kind of built into to what he does now and, and to where he doesn't have to think about those things now. But yeah, I mean, big picture, it's like, if you, we all have preferences, right, Tony, and what we oh. like to see, and you know, if but at the end of the day, is it important to for this player that's sitting in front of us to try to make them better? So, yeah, I think any teacher that says they don't have preferences is probably lying. Yeah, you know, I mean, I sure. think we we all do. I mean, we, you know, I think some of us, yeah, I mean, and and I think as we get older and you get more people, you you don't stick to them as hard. But like, I mean, in a perfect world, we all have if we showed up with the perfect. 15-year-old that could do anything in the world, we'd all have a preference in what we'd want them to do. Yeah, for sure. So, like, yeah, I've always found that, like, my players, and I think it's also one of the harder things as you coach a player, especially on tour a long time, is, you know, I've always found that they got two, three, four things they need to work on and they need to do. And I think that as you go along the road, especially the tour player, that, like, inevitably they'll hit a period where they don't play good. Sometimes they start thinking that they got to, they got to have something else when I think in reality they don't. But, you know, what are the two, three, four things that, like, you know, you kind of – that are constants that you and Sam are always working on and you always check? We kind of just do checks in every area. So, you know, we'll we'll have our form checks and what we look for in his mm-hmm. swing. We'll have checks and what we look for in his putting. We'll have checks on our around-the-green stuff and, and chipping and pitching and bunker play. So we run through those checks fundamentally every day and then really just break into performance games and skills and challenges and sam doesn't like ever you know like he always says you have any hard games i mean he doesn't like (laughs) he doesn't like failing at these games and so we have to keep raising the bar on them but that's that's really what our training and practice looks like totally random stuff and as long as we're checking our boxes on our on our form and our fundamentals and what we're trying to do, then, yeah, we do tons of just skill training. I think it's great because I think, you know, that takes them away from if you don't have stuff like that, that the tendency is to sit out there and to work on things that don't need to be worked on. Yeah, for sure. You chase that all the time. And he's great about that. He won't get into doing that as long as he's like, hey, do we like where this is and it looks good. 
in the technique than let's go play. He loves right. playing holes. I think there's no substitute for that. We're just not going to sit on the range until we can't hit it good and then go, oh, okay, something's wrong. So Absolutely. I remember the first time I saw y'all was, I think, the U.S. Open at Oakmont. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, saw him on the range there. I was there with Smiley and, and uh, another LSU guy. And, and I remember seeing like he, I, I just watched him hit a few. I was walking by or something, he's hitting a few balls off the end of the range. And you're like, this kid's different. Like you could hear it when he hit it. I mean, you knew, yeah. you know. Let's talk a little bit. We're an assistant coach there. You did some assistant coaching. Mm-hmm. You were the director of golf at Squire Creek. First of all, people that hadn't been there, I hadn't been there, but every person teach a lot of kids, especially to go to Troy and places like that. They play up there in college. Yeah. And, man, that golf course, and I hope to make it there, but I hear that that place is awesome. So it had to be cool being the director of golf there and then having this come along. Yeah, I think it – I mean, this this place is, is, is really special, and I think, you know, you kind of have to – pinch yourself every time you wake up and you get to come out here and and hopefully we don't ever take it for granted because what they've done here at this place is is really awesome and and you know what they've done for the community and golf because golf just wasn't that big here in this area and it's small town still but it is a world-class facility that we get to be at so yeah it's a it's a special place sam lives right across the street few doors down from where I do and so it's a golf cart ride across the road and it's just it's a sweet place man that's another thing I think is cool is that uh you know he's obviously he got enough money now he can live wherever the hell he wants to live <laughs> right right I mean but that he still likes living there and give you a lot of credit to you I mean obviously with the success you've had with him I mean you've you guys know where you're happy and, and love being there. And, and it's something I wish I would have been better at it. I mean, I, heck, I, I thought it, I was one of those, heck, I'm going to go find a better place. And heck, I'm back teaching in Mobile now. I realize that that isn't always the best, you know, finding a really good place you're happy that takes good care of you. There's something to be said for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's just a, that's a testament to all the people that are here and our owners here at the club that we're close to. And, and just the environment that they've created here it's not it's not stuffy it's not uppity it's it's laid back but yet you have this world class facility and it's just a blessing to be here and it's uh and that, and that's one thing that Sam loves about it is the pace of it and he knows everyone and it's kind of a relief from the road sometimes from those yeah. for those guys it's, it's it's kind of a getaway because they can come out here and and enjoy being out here and, and what they're doing. So, You were the director of golf up until about a year ago, and then you transitioned to being the director of instruction for the last year. There's a lot of lot of other golf professionals that listen to this, and I mm-hmm. think lots of folks go through that where they, you know, they're a golf professional at a place, and they're trying to decide, hey, when's the right time to just teach? How did that transformation go? You know, I, I remember at one point yeah. I interviewed for the director of golf job at Mobile, and and I didn't get it and didn't want, and then I, at the end though, I, I don't think I wanted it, but like, that's a, well, I think we all go through periods of time, especially when you're like, you're great with people and you're in a great place. You're like, Oh, I wouldn't mind being the director of golf here, but how did right. you go through that process of like saying, hell, this might be time to transition. And, and how did that go? I think, you know, I never, when I got into the golf business, I, I grew up around golf my whole life and it was just kind of what I did. And I knew I wanted to be a golf pro at a pretty early age. And it was, you know, kind of my dream was to be a director of golf or head golf pro somewhere. And I got into teaching when I was in college, 
obviously had no idea what I was doing, but I was, people were asking. And so I was trying to figure out how to, how to put $20 in my pocket. So, and I, I, I guess I really never had any dreams of being strictly a teacher. I kind of always said the opposite. Like, I don't really right. want to be just a teacher, but as I continued on the demand of other people and obviously Sam, and then it kind of just evolved into that direction. And so I love the golf business part and the side of that. Obviously, there's long hours to that, and there are, you know, there's headaches to that and stress and all of that. And it just got to a point where I was sort of working two jobs and trying to build my teaching business and then also trying to do the the golf business side of it was, uh, it just got to be just such a challenge on our family. And, and so... We thought about it, prayed about it for a long time, and then it was like, "Hey, this is the right time," and and it's been it's been so great, and just the flexibility and trying to focus on one thing has has probably made me a better coach too. So, yeah, I would think that especially when you face like you look at the club job, the demands like it'd be one thing when Sam was on the corn ferry or playing college golf, but the demands that were if you're going to do the job that he needs you to do. And that they expect mm-hmm. you to do now, which which is travel with them a fair amount. Sure. And I know how much you're out there because shit, I see you. I'm out there too much, so it'd be impossible to probably do that. And then knowing you the little bit that I do, and then really feel like you're doing the job that you want to do back home at the club. Be impossible yeah, to do both and do and do them the way you want to do them. Yeah, that's that's truth. I mean, you wanna you don't wanna you know you wanna be all in into whatever you're doing and one thing's suffering or both things are suffering as a result of you trying to juggle everything and then you need to pick one and then it worked out in our favor. So Yeah, and I always tell young teachers that ask, like, when is the time? I was like, I think what you said, like, I think you keep doing everything you want to do and then I think you'll, like, the time will be apparent to you. Like, one day you're just going to be sitting there with your wife and your family and you're going to go, I need to pick one or I, I need to go yeah. do this, you know? Like, I, I think too many people just jump in one boat real early and, and, you know, like, I would do as much as you can for as long as you can and then be like, you know what, now it's time, you know? Yeah, and that's what I spent my time doing while I was doing all the club side of stuff. I would say this to encourage young folks, too, is just I read everything I could find, Tony. I mean, like, and I was told early by some really good teachers like, don't believe everything you read, but figure out how that pushes you, how that challenges you and the way that yeah. you think. And mm-hmm. and so I would stay up late at night and, and still do a lot of times just reading and researching and everything that's available out there right now on online. I mean, yeah, some of it you have to filter through it with what is good stuff or what you feel like is not, but... I mean, there's so much. I mean, you used to. I mean, I know when you were younger, coming up, if you wanted to learn a bunch, you had to go and spend a bunch of time with somebody face yeah. to face. Which I think some of that's lost. I, I mean, I, I would too. love to do that, but there's so much information out there that you can learn nonstop, and that's 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 what that's what I did. So I've talked to people before. I think that I think there's so much good about this phone that we're recording this on, and that you know the internet. And the, social media and the stuff you can watch, but Mm -hmm. I think it's lost. You know, I was so fortunate to work for a guy that was a great teacher, Hank Johnson for 10 years. And, you know, I just peed balls up for him when he had 
players in town. And like, I don't think there was a substitute for sitting there just watching the golf lesson and yeah, watching sure. his process. And, and then, you know, and before, you know, I'm older, so 50 now. So, but like, I, you know, we didn't, there wasn't all that stuff on social media. You couldn't go dial up whoever and, and watch it. But, you know, I would go watch guys like Rob Akins and different guys mm-hmm. around the South teach. And I, I, I think that uh, my advice to a bunch of young teachers would be still get your butt in a car when you go can do it and just, and go do it. Right. Yeah. I, I have a few that do that throughout the year. And, you know, when they first called, it was kind of like, nah, man, like, what are you, you know, you don't want to come, you know, like, yeah. like, and now I encourage them to like, yeah, I think yeah. that's awesome. Um, right. And they, you know, it's, they can come in and spend time and ask questions. And I mean, those are the type of things that when I was younger coming up, I wish I would have done more because right. I, I reached out to teachers that I felt like were quality and it was typically by email or by phone or something mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, I I would go out on a limb and say most teachers are going to be pretty open door about, Hey, yeah, come in here and, and I'll share with you whatever you want me to share. It's not, we're all trying to do this together. So. Yeah. One of the things I've kicked around recently, I don't even know why I'm talking about this now, but is is a like, you know, I've seen mentorship things where people charge people, but I want to put together. Yeah. I want to put together a group that gets together on Zoom of young teachers once a month, and young teachers can ask any questions. Because one of the things I used to have that, Brad, that was a huge benefit when I was starting out teaching is I would, like, I would send videos of my players to, like, Hank, my mentor, or Wayne Flint, who's a great teacher, and I'd mm-hmm. ask their help, you know? Yeah. And, and I wasn't too proud to do that. I was like, man, you know, like, I'm kind of stuck with so-and-so, and I've been, you know, I got his club face here and this, that, and that. And I, I want to put a group together where, like, once a month, like, I could bring a guest like you or bring a guest like people that I work with and be like, hey, just let a bunch of young teachers or teachers that are trying to get info ask questions. And a lot of things, too, some of the questions that we get, you know, Brad, are just stuff about, like, stuff like you were talking about at the club, like the business stuff. I think that now that nobody goes and travels, people don't have access to that as much. No, I agree. I agree. I think that's a great idea. I mean, I sent. I mean, it was like last month, buddy of mine, Taylor Crosby, that's there in Georgia. I, mm-hmm. We were talking, we talk all the time, and, you know, I, I'll send him something on a student and go, hey, what do you think? I'm having trouble with trying to get, you know, what do you think about a different option on how I can get a club shallow or whatever the yeah. topic is? And, and then he does the same thing to me. He'll send me like, hey, what do you think about this? On Yeah. Yeah, I like that, but, I, you know, try try this. You know, it's just. It's working together, and that's why I love those type of things. Is we're not, we don't have secrets, and we're all trying to get better and and learn, and hopefully we continue to do so. So, one of the things, really good follow on Instagram. I like following it because it's not every picture is not a tour player, and you know you're not just spewing info out there like what you think everybody. Says. It's just a good golf swing. Or I like watching the young players developing. And I my favorites are like the guy that'll be like his first lesson and he's a twenty handicapper, you know, yeah. or right. And you know, you don't have to put that. I can tell he's a twenty handicapper. So like <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying though, but like then you watch like you may see like two weeks later his next video and stuff. I like watching I, I think to me the mark of a really of a great teacher is somebody that can help anybody and could teach yeah, anybody. Sure. And I think that's one of the cool things that you still do there at Squire Creek is that 
you obviously still like helping everybody there and not just the guys that are good players. Yeah, I mean, I'm not huge into the social media. I try to. Yeah. But and, and it, it's just not like from a content and time standpoint, I just don't put a lot of that out there. I probably should stretch myself a little bit more and put more content out. But I just enjoy putting the swings on there for the kiddos yeah. and all the coaches that are looking at them and looking at good golf swings. And I think that shows a little bit of the picture of it and kind of what we do. But, you know, as you know, there's so much more to it than that. And that's the coaching part that I love to do. So. Yeah, you got a bunch of good young players coming up, you know, but not just, it's not like you just coach and teach Sam Burns, which would be enough. But talk about some of the good young ones you got. I mean, I mean, you got, you got a good group of young horses coming up. Yeah, we got a good group of young kids. And I've got a couple that are going to LSU next year. Excited about them moving on to the next level. And, and Turk Pettit is moving here. He just turned pro this past year. So, He's about to move here, and uh, he and Sam really hit it off, and they're close, and they practice and push each other, and so that's great to have him here for both of them. And how'd you start working with Turk? Yeah, so Turk's dad was a golf pro. Um, okay, he retired. They grew up in Auburn, Alabama, and uh, Matt Terry, who is the Louisiana Tech golf coach here, that yep. was down there at Troy. You know Matt. Oh yeah. Um, so Matt uh, recruited Turk uh, when he was coming out of high school, and then Turk ended up going to Clemson. But he stayed close with Turk and his family. And so whenever Kevin, Turk's dad, was you know looking at retiring and and moving on, he just was ready for someone else to kind of take Turk's game. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so he Matt told him that he needed to come here, and so that was. I don't know, two or three years ago. And so, so yeah, Turk has come in, you know, several times a year, kind of throughout the last three years. And, and uh, he's a great kiddo and just a special talent. And we think he, he can, can play great things too, man. Yeah, he can. So I think that's cool too. And, and, you know, you mentioned he comes in a few times a year. Andy was always that way with me, like up until he turned pro and he had more time. Like I'd see him, I'd see him two times a year. Three yeah. times a year. I didn't ever feel the need that you had to be there to see him every month, you know? Right. Like, but I, you know, like we had a good plan. He, he knew what he was working on and he'd send videos here and there if he was struggling. But heck, he was at Georgia Tech and he was learning how to play golf and Coach Hepler did a great job. And I mean, you know, I think it's cool that you got a guy developed so much, but like, you know, you, you don't, I think there's this misunderstanding that like you can't do a good job and see a guy but two, three times a year. But, I mean, well, you, can, you can keep a guy can, playing. Yeah. And they don't need to see you every week. You're just babysitting when you do that. Yeah, and that's what I tell guys all the time. Like When they say they need to get lessons every week, I'm like, we're just going to do the same thing over and over. Like, go work on it, and I'll see you in three, four weeks. Right. Um, or even longer. I mean, and I think that's important. you got to let the students self-coach and learn themselves too and if you're constantly there in their ear telling them everything that they're doing wrong or or telling them the way to do things full-time then they don't ever have that freedom to feel like as a player like oh well now I can learn this on my own so I can Mm -hmm. self-coach myself we should be trying to you know give them all the information that they need that they can learn themselves and then they learn it and then they don't need you Near as much, right. you know, like Turk's, Turk's very low maintenance and Sam's yeah. very low maintenance. And 
It must be nice. Yeah. So it it is nice. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> not that there's not struggle and not that right, there's always. times when you're standing there and it's like, okay, we got to figure this out. But for the most part, these guys are, are low maintenance and, and they're, and they're great players. So it, it yeah. makes a big difference. You know, I heard, I don't remember what coach it was and all at uh Oregon football coach, but it was when Mariota was there and he was like, Hey, listen guys, the only reason why I'm standing here is up for some award or something he was getting was because of Marcus Mariota. Like, yeah, man, we look great and we're great teachers when we have great players like Sam Burns and Turk Cutter. Amen. So Brad, awesome stuff, man. I've one, I've enjoyed getting to know you and, uh, hanging out with you some and I mean you're doing an awesome job and I, I appreciate you taking the time when you're home and sitting in and doing this and hopefully we'll get to do it more and spend some more time together out there but you're doing a hell of a job and I appreciate you sitting in and just keep doing all the great stuff yeah Tony I appreciate the encouragement man I always I always enjoy talking to you I remember we sat I don't remember where that was but we sat for a long time for a red eye and uh, Napa I think coming back is that Napa, Napa. okay good. yeah because I was in that I was in that wine bar Yep, so we had that little wine bar there, so <laughs> good stuff, man. I, I appreciate you always sharing and reaching out to us, so it's fun. Absolutely, Brad. Take care, buddy, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines, for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or go to DewSweepersGolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.